Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. I'm Josh. I am Jimmy, and this is Paradox. This is Paradox, and we are so incredibly excited to have Jenny Allen on with us. Jenny, thanks for being on. Great to be here. Now we are, or Jenny is an is a author, blogger, speaker, and she's also the creator of the IF Gathering. Uh, Jenny, tell us a little bit about the IF Gathering. Yeah, so we are an organization that puts tools in the hands of leaders that are making disciples around the world. And so we gathered our first time and, and put it out for people to gather in their homes, and it was pretty cool. We had um, about 2,000 in Austin, Texas, and we had about 40,000 streams around the world, and, and it's grown from there. It's beautiful because it's not just about if, it's really about us equipping people in their local places to to love well and to to, to talk about God, and, and it's just awesome because there are, it feels like one big group project, you know, <laughs> it's a bunch of us, and we have the same mission and heart, and it's just been a lot of fun to see God move through it. So it's a live streaming event? So that's one of the things we do. We have a gathering, and then we also equip through a website called um, ifequip.com, and we do different studies together. And just, again, they're just tools for people to use with their people. And then um, we also do um, just other types of gatherings. We're about to have a leader gathering in Dallas with about a 1,000 leaders. So it's it's fun. We We enjoy the work we get to do. Now, is it mostly for females? It is, yes. Although there are plenty of men that spy in on what we're doing, it mostly is we definitely exist to serve women in in their local context. When we had Lisa Turkers on the show, we jokingly asked if we could become a member of Proverbs 31, and she she actually said about 30 to 35 percent of her audience is men. Um, so it's 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 great to hear that with the and if gathering as well. Smart men, <laughs> they got some brains about them. Right. Now, I, and I didn't say this up front, but I, I wanted to make sure that you understood this that. If Josh and I really, really do like a guest, then we promise them all they can eat at Enchiladas y Mas. <laughs> now, I can do that because, I mean, they, they like live in Bangladesh or something. So, I mean, it's not like they're going to be here. I'm a little nervous because since you live here in Austin, I might actually have to fork over some money for you and Zach if you end up being one of our favorite guests. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. So don't feel like you need to perform. <laughs> and one thing about what you guys are doing and Lisa and others, and I guess some people have said, wow, you know, women's ministry is like exploding like never before, but it's exploding in sort of, uh, it's got more of a parachurch look to it. How would you answer? Because I know there are some three-piece suits out there that are just saying that that this is a negative thing because it's pulling women outside the local church. How do you respond to those comments? Well, I would say if, if you know, further investigation into our work, we actually aren't. We actually are not a ministry that brings people into big conferences. We're, we're not, we're actually providing the conference as a tool for churches to use. And so 
I would say the majority of the people involved in our ministry are actually using our tools to serve the local church. So I wouldn't, um, you know, I can't say that in every case because we don't control that. That's the case. Certainly some people are using it for their neighborhoods to reach people that maybe don't know the Lord and, and so, or, or, or aren't following him. And so I would say that there's always a, um, you know, with, with this kind of ministry, you can't, you can't know how everybody's using the tools, but our, but our passion, our goal, and largely what we're seeing happen is that these are just simply tools in the hands of leaders within the local church. And, and we're hearing again and again, how that helps. I mean, I, I met a girl in the airport the other day from Nebraska, from a little bitty town that I'd never heard of in Nebraska. And, and she and it leads it in her church. And, you know, a hundred women came and, and this is a little town that can't afford to bring in big speakers or have a big conference. And all they did was, you know, host this site. We even host their registration for them. So we market for them in a way because we're talking to the whole world about it. So it's special. I think, I think largely we have seen, if it, if it wasn't, I've always said I would shut it down, but I keep hearing the stories of how it is because we are, we are local church people. Now, your latest book, Nothing to Prove. I love one of the bullet points. It says freedom from the self-induced pressure to admit that we're not enough. That's really good. What do you mean by a self-induced pressure to admit we're not enough? Well, I doubt it's completely self-induced. I would say most of us um, are, are, it's being induced by the whole world from the time we're born. Um, but certainly, um, I would say it's not coming from God. Um, this is, this is what all of us feel, whether we show up, you know, our first day of kindergarten or our first day on a job or our first day on the internet, you know, we, we feel the striving come up in us. It's very Western, um, culture, modern day Western culture to, to perform and to prove ourselves and to make a name for ourselves. And so I think to to recognize that, that this is what we're all feeling, that it's a common feeling. And it really dates back prior to the Internet. It dates back, you know, since um, I think Adam and Eve, you know, ate the apple because they wanted to be like God. So there's definitely a striving that's been happening since the beginning of time. And how does that change um, the way we do, you know, life today and in the context of a world that I would say is noisier, noisier than any other generation? So. I think just looking at the issue first and then second, realizing that we don't have to play this game. This is a game and we don't have to play it. Um, certainly to keep our jobs, we need to get, do a good job, but we should be motivated to do that out of our love for God and our love for people. And so I think that what we, what our motivations are and how we process the pressures we feel speaks to a world that's watching about what we believe about God. And so it's not just that. A lot of people are in bondage to it. They've wasted a lot of time in their mind and in their lives and in their heart with their time spending, you know, this striving. And, and I have too. That's, that's my story. That's why I care so much that we be free of that. You talk about this striving. Do you think there's gender differences and how that might play out? Well, I guess so, maybe. But, you know, I, I largely can speak for women because I am one, but I'm certainly raising a son and or two sons and one specifically at 17 years old. And and I'm seeing it play out as he chooses a college and, and plays sports. I see it everywhere, you know, and I don't think it's different. I think it's similar, but I also think we tend to, many times as women, um, we, we tend to judge all the parts of our lives. 
Um, we judge what kind of friend we are, what kind of wife we are, what kind of parent we are constantly on a daily basis, moment by moment. And I, I do see more of the men in my life, and I can't speak for all men, but more of the men in my life that, that tend to put their worth maybe in one thing and they're striving at that one thing to be great at something. Where I think with women, one of the pressures we feel is we do feel the pressure to be great at everything that we're doing. Yeah. And, and that's exhausting. I don't know if you ever at any point read Barna and Viola, their book, Pagan Christianity. And they kind of go back to when church, there wasn't necessarily paid staff. There wasn't a professional doing the job and how it kind of morphed into this performance-based. It's like we're judging the voice when we go to church on Sunday mornings. How do you think we got from Amazing Grace to this kind of performance-based, the preacher has to perform, the music has to perform, and we believers have to perform. It seems di- it just seems diametrically opposite of the gospel, and yet as the American church, we've seemed to just embraced it. So I think that's, you know, while mentally we all agree that this is not what the gospel is asking of us, um, I do think that because it's so loud and what the world is asking for us, we oftentimes put that on God. And so what we first got to do is recognize that that God's not looking for a performance from us. Like He's not looking, you know, I, I love in Galatians 3 where Paul says, are you so foolish that you're going to go back to the law? Like you're going to, how were you saved? You were saved by the law and performing and working, or were you saved by faith in the spirit? And, and it was of course, faith in the spirit. And so he says, well, then don't go back to the law. Don't go back to performing and working. Enjoy like this freedom that we have. Enjoy living in the spirit and with faith. And as we keep going in our, in our spiritual lives. So I think the power of recognizing that we don't have to go back to the law, even as believers, we get to continue in the freedom, the forgiveness that's real, that's been purchased, that's done, that's, that, that we get to embrace and live in. And, and we don't have to continue this, um, being awesome for God or anybody else. We get to rest in who he's made us to be. And so I think we also confess sin as we go, but we don't confess sin with you know, ridiculous amounts of penance because the sin has been paid for. We don't, re- we don't confess sin and then hang on to the shame. We actually get to move forward in freedom. And so I think how we apply the gospel to this is what will be known of us in the world, like how we, how we actually believe what we say we believe, that our, that our sin is forgiven, that we're not performing for God, that we're loving out of an abundance and an overflow with God, then that, that's what shifts everything for our lives. There's this freedom that He meant for us that we're not enjoying. And it's not because of the reality of what's true. It's because of what we forget about the gospel, what we forget about what is true of Him and His love for us. You know, I really reacted to internally the word that you just used, and that's that's rest. We finally, if we can get this into our souls and for it to take root, we finally can experience rest and that biblical contentment and joy. It's just such a difficult thing to get there. Um, and, you know, as you said, I can, I can speak for women, and so I, I'd love for you to do that. How can, within a, the context of marriage, how can husbands assist their wives? And obviously, they need to work towards this as well, but how can they assist wives in, in finding that rest? I think it's just this constant forgiving, right? It's, it's the leaning in and the keeping short accounts. It's the um, peace that comes with a relationship built on a foundation of grace and, and, and us not trying to prove ourselves to each other. And and I see this in my husband constantly where, you know, we'll get in a fight. And this this wasn't how it was when we were first married. We've been married 20 years now, so we, we're better at this. Um, and we've been to some counseling for it, too, um, just being completely candid. Because I think that, that 
good marriages to get to these places, it requires work and processing and time and sometimes a third party. But the where we are right now, you know, if we get in a fight, we are we are processing, okay, what what's an offense um, that's that's real? What can I just blow off? Um, and, and I don't need to harp on because we're both doing messy, busy life together and it's just chaotic and we're not trying to hurt each other. We just naturally do sometimes. And then if, if it's something that I can't, then then bringing it to him in a way that assumes forgiveness and grace, right? We're not, we're not going to hold a grudge when we realize that what Christ has done for us, if we live in a constant state of understanding that we don't hold grudges, we, we want to give that grace away, even if it means, you know, it, it means bending and, and forgiving when we've been hurt. It's not easy. It's just, it's our reality because of what we believe. And so I think working that into our daily lives is really a simple, and I know this sounds crazy, but I, I truly believe this is the supernatural work of God, that in John 15, he says, you abide in me and I abide in you. We be with God. We know God. We walk with God. And he gives us the supernatural ability to forgive when we cannot forgive. We, we have it. it. It is not explainable. It is not, it doesn't make sense by world standards. It just is there because he gives it to us. And so I think believing in the power of our God, not just quoting, you know, a line that we're supposed to believe, but actually believing it and then trusting him to do that work in and through it. I love that forgiveness and that grace piece. Now we're going to try to not be offended that y'all didn't use the Timothy Center for your counseling. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, y'all are right here. <laughs> Hopefully y'all, you didn't go to Kovacs over at the Stone. Seriously, no please tell us you didn't go there. <laughs> oh, that would mess you up. Now, you mentioned in one of your, I believe it might be your bio on your website, that you're just a family of strong personalities. How do y'all yeah. make that happen under one roof? Well, yeah, that is always a challenge every day. I think it's contagious, though. I think I think there's a lot of ebbing and flowing happening in our house. Like, my husband is an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. He's majorly taking off on a big project right now, and I'm maintaining one that, that we both, you know, believed in and worked on for years. So I think it's, it's stepping back. It's, it's that constant, um, dance of you, sometimes you step forward and sometimes you step back. And, and I think that's what we've learned is in stepping back and not becoming weaker. I'm not, um, I'm giving space to, to give more oxygen to my husband and to his dreams. And, and then he does that for me so many times too. So I found that we can be strong when we're both willing to, make sacrifices for the callings that, that we've each been given. I remember early on when God, you know, was opening doors for me to write and to teach. I was, I was so nervous and, and scared um, about what that would mean for our family, what, what it would all mean. And he was nervous too. And I remember he got away for a few days even and just prayed about it and what, what our family should do with the many opportunities that were coming all of a sudden to my life and, and therefore to our lives. And he came back and he said, Jenny, Here's the thing. I'm I'm in this life and as a family we're in this for the glory of God and to build his kingdom. And if right now me pulling back a little and you running is builds the kingdom of kingdom of God more effectively, we're in. And and it just was such a humble godly view of how we spend our lives and and he's really owned that. I mean for years now and and it's so fun to see God giving him new dreams. And of course all that time he was still working and and leading and and serving in the church and doing many things, but but for a season there were he was making more sacrifices than me, and so I'm heading into that season hopefully where I'm making more sacrifices than him, and 
And I think that's how we give and take in this. And it's, it's messy. It's not perfect. And, and sometimes it rubs up against each other and, and things get missed. But, but I do believe God has honored specifically just his humility and, and desire to see God's kingdom grow. But that is so crazy in how it's countercultural, this idea of ever stepping back. That goes against the American dream. It goes against every meme that you see on Facebook where you're supposed to just go and get and go. And this idea that there are seasons where we step back and that y'all were able to do that as a couple and as a family. There was a serious case of wisdom intervening in a young family's life when that decision was made. Yeah. Yeah. It's never easy. But I also think look at life. I mean, nature. Yeah. It's not, maybe it's not Western culture, but, but you look at, I think of vines and back to John 15. I mean, what, what happens, he cuts things back and, and we've been to Napa and we've seen these vines that are hundreds of years old and all of them, you know, we went in the fall and, and they were all pruned back, you know, they're just little stubs of something, you know, there was nothing pretty about them. Um, but there was, there was beauty in the fact that they were, you know, thick and robust and you could tell had been maintained meticulously. And so I think that we have to see that that, that principle applies to all growth and good things. It really does. And I, I think probably most business leaders in America would, would say that they can see that in times of business as well. I think it's a universal principle. And I think, um, yes, I do think it's based in, you know, creation and based in God because all things are that are good. So, so I know that he is, um, he is, he's good to lead us in that, even if we don't want it. Now, maybe our egos don't like it, but certainly <laughs> for the good of, of all, I, I do believe that that's going to be present in anything that's thriving. So that humility is a key piece with strong personalities within a marriage. What about parenting strong personalities? Without really just hauling off and backhanding them, <laughs> which is, is one tactic. Well, I think I had to early on realize that this, these kids were not an extension of me. They were not... Um, they were going to be their own people. They had their own strengths, their own ideas, their own dreams, their own goals, and and their own sin. And and I would have to be in it for the good of them and the glory of God. If if it was about what the, how they reflected on me, we were going to be you know in trouble fast. And and so I think learning to let go of of a lot of my ideas of what should happen and what, who they should be and, and how it works out is probably the best parenting advice I have just because it, it's, it's brought about the most fun because as now I have a 17 year old, a 15 year old daughter, I think they feel very safe with us. I think they feel like they, they don't have to have right answers to everything. They don't have to come and think the same way we do. They don't have to come with the career path that we would choose for them. They, I'm seeing two very independent strong, passionate people that believe that when they come to us, we're going to speak hope and guidance, but we're not going to control the outcomes. And, and therefore what's happened is I really respect who they're becoming and they're going to, they're going to outgrow us. They're going to be hopefully all that we are and more, you know, and, and if we limit, if we say, this is what it looks like, then we're going to limit their growth. And, and I'm seeing them, you know, have bigger dreams than we have and bigger, um, personalities and, and more, um, hope for, for Jesus and what he could do with their lives. So, so I, I do believe, um, that was something that, that I had to fight down because we all do, right. We all want certain things for our kids. And sometimes it looked backwards. Sometimes the road to loving Jesus was actually 
through the decisions that I thought, oh gosh, like this might ruin all of us, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and God was using those things. Yeah. I, I tell people all the time, my kids are in their thirties and I'm chasing them spiritually. Well, except for Josh, I am chasing <laughs> them and look up to them spiritually because they've just blown past us. And it's one of the coolest things in the world when you look at your kids and go, oh my, I'm not sure I would have actually even gone there, done that. It's kind of a beautiful thing. Jenny, thank you so much for being on. I I know probably most of our audience already knows who Jenny is. Um, If you're not familiar with her, you need to be. Please go to JennyAllen.com. You can also find more information about the If Gathering, and it's the website is IfGathering.com, as well as that IfEquip.com. You can find Jenny on Instagram and Facebook. It is Jenny S. Allen, as well as on Twitter at Jenny Allen. And then the If Gathering is simply that at Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It is the If, or it's at If Gathering. Jenny, thank you so very much. Thank you very much. Great to be here, guys. Thank you. All right, Jenny Allen. She was fantastic. <laughs> yes, she and was. And we knew she should be, or she would well, be, yeah. because she's, she's great. And we were, and being in Austin, we're familiar with the If Gathering. I loved her piece. Specifically with strong personalities, uh, having to, and she gave the example of her husband, Zach, uh, you know, offering up his humility um, and kind of stepping back. Um, And I thought that that was a key contributor to getting over strong personalities or being able to make strong personalities within families cohesive is that humility. And that we're not, she had to give up just not forcing them to become her. You know, so often we just want to cram our children into these little molds of ourselves as opposed to when you know you've got a strong-willed child leading them and guiding them. I had a client once that went to um, Malibu to uh, put their kid in a rehab, and they had Parents' Day, and a major movie star was her partner because the movie star had his son there as well. And they were doing this animal therapy, and people had... Parents and children had different animals, and they were given a Clydesdale horse. And the type A movie mogul, bazillionaire, movie star was trying to force this this giant horse. And his son would just meekly, you know, kind of pat its head, and it would just follow him anywhere and do anything he wanted. So when you have those strong personalities, instead of trying to force them to do something, you're, you're more leading, you're kind of guiding them in a direction because a strong-willed personality can be a really, really, really positive attribute in a kid. And then just, of course, her uh, assuming forgiveness and grace within relationships as well as as far as how husbands can help their wives and figuring out there's nothing to prove. Guys, go pick up her book. It's nothing to prove, and it can be found everywhere books are sold. So please do that. And try to do it before July 4th, because there's going to be such a run Mm -hmm. on bookstores in general Mm -hmm. and Amazon. It it may crash their servers. Yeah, if this and other books in July. Yeah, specifically July 4th is Mm -hmm. the date that you... Mm -hmm want to try to get this purchased. If you want any more information about this show, That's as well when as... my book comes out, is July 4th. Jenny, uh, go to paradoxpodcast.com and click on the episode tag. We'll have show notes there. If you want to follow us, the show, or in, us individually on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, go to paradoxpodcast.com as well. I thought you would step in and say, oh, well, Jim's book, you made me sound like a very self-centered, self-promoting 
horrible person. I never contribute to you sounding like that. July 4th. That's all you. July 4th, fearless parenting. Get them while they're hot. <laughs> Guys, have a good rest See of your ya. day. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. and researched by Dr. Jimmy and Dr. Josh Myers. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescarr.com. If you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. If it wasn't the speakeasies of the 1920s and the demon drink, it was let's not, let's burn Elvis albums and we can't see his hips gyrating to the Beatles long hair to backward masking to you name it. We have always been petrified of culture.